Prince Keggy is the Cook County Assessor. Prior to beginning his career in Cook County government, Fritz spent more than 20 years valuing assets as a mutual fund portfolio and analyst. In his 13 years at Columbia Wagner Asset Management, Fritz served as a financial steward, helping average families save for retirement and focusing on small companies operating around the world. He holds a chartered financial analyst and certified Illinois assessment officer designations. He is also a member of the IAAO, the International Association of Assessing Officers. Since assuming office in 2018, Fritz has brought fairness, ethics, and transparency to the Cook County Assessor's Office with a vision focused on operational changes, technological upgrades, and the elimination of favoritism. These changes have increased predictability in the assessment system and spurred investment in Chicago and Cook County. Fritz was born and raised in the Hyde Park neighborhood in Chicago and still maintains close ties to the community. He attended Hyde Park's Kenwood Academy. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's the meds that totally threw me off there. I do understand that the Broncos have a very strong alumni connection, so... For high school, he attended Kenwood, completed his undergraduate and studies at Haverford College, and received his MBA from Stanford University. In 2020, Fritz received the A. Philip Randolph Change Agent Award from the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Porter Museum, and in 2021, the Adlai Stevenson Award for Public Service from the Chicago Chapter of the American Society for Public Administration. Fritz's wife, Rebecca, is a teacher. They live in Oak Park. Now that's where I should go, Oak Park, right? Okay. <laughs> With their three children, where Fritz is a member of the United of the First United Methodist Church of Oak Park. I bring to you Assessor Fritz Kagey. Jack, thank you so much for the introduction, Jackie, and thank you everyone for for joining us. It's great to be back at the City Club in person. You know, we were together on Zoom last year, together sort of, um, and but uh, this is much better. You know, um, it's a reminder of what's truly important, uh, something we took for granted before the pandemic, gathering together, sharing a meal, exchanging ideas discussing how to strengthen Chicagoland, and I just want to salute all of you for doing that right here today. Thank you. This institution represents social capital in Chicago. It's a really important civic institution, um, and I've really been proud to address it every year since uh, 2018. Um, We've gathered here today to lay out our vision of an assessment system that works better for everyone, um, from residents and small businesses to the real estate investment community. And it's a vision of a system providing predictability and certainty grounded in three values, ethics, fairness, and transparency. And today, I want to give you an update on that vision because it's been a really busy year. Um, First of all, the International Association of Assessing Officers verified what preliminary data had already showed, that our assessments are fairer and more accurate than they were under the past administration or ever before at our office. We've made it easier 
than ever before for seniors, veterans, people with disabilities to get the exemptions they deserve. We implemented a new program that will preserve and create more affordable housing. We've upgraded the entire IT system of record for assessment so it's no longer run by a 40-year-old mainframe. And we've won awards from our peers across the nation in our industry. You know, when I first addressed you here in 2018, this was, not most, this was not a vision that most could have imagined four years later. An assessment system that's accurate, that supports the most vulnerable, and is held up for praise instead of being held out for scorn and embarrassment. And against this backdrop, Homeowners are now feeling the difference between the old ways and the new, while Chicago's commercial real estate market is seeing growth and expansion. And so it's just it is, it's been a pleasure to see this bearing out over the last four years, three, and, three years and change that we've been doing it. So, yes, there's more work to be done to deliver a truly fair system, but I want to show you right now how the Chicago reassessment has brought us ever closer to that reality. So, you know, the centerpiece of a fairer assessment system is simple. It's accurate, predictable assessments that reflect market value. And if the system generates assessments with any other goal in mind, maybe to curry favor with the usual suspects, the insiders, the entitled bold-faced names that we all know, the result is favoritism rather than fairness. And we've seen where that can lead. In the past three years, we've rebuilt our office's infrastructure in four key areas. High-quality data, well-trained staff, technological modernization, and professionalized operations. Basically, it's a gut rehab. <laughs> and we recently received proof that this gut rehab is paying off. The IAAO, our industry's gold standard, that's the International Association of Assessing Officers, they released an independent study that said that the 2019 initial assessments from my office met their standards for fairness, uniformity, and accuracy, which was a first. And think about that. Only two years after the Tribune's 2017 tax divide series, which outlined the many problems and inequities in our property tax system under the previous leadership, we achieved and delivered on the benchmarks for accuracy and uniformity in assessments. So I want to salute my team that's here. Everyone raise your hand because you did it. And this culminated in what's arguably our greatest task, which is it's kind of like the Super Bowl for nerds. So shout out to the nerds over at some of these tables. You know who you are. Um, and that was the 2021 reassessment of Chicago which contains more than half of the county's parcels. All the investments that we'd made in people, process, talent, and technology, they came to bear as we released assessments and heard appeals for Chicago's 77 community areas with more than uh, nearly 900,000 parcels, totaling hundreds of billions of dollars in market value. Last month, we released the final results of the assessment, and it reflects three years of growth in Chicago's real estate market, it corrects the problems of the past, and it contains good news for most property owners. If you're a homeowner, someone who owns a single-family resident, a condo, or a two-to-six-unit apartment building, your share of the assessed value of Chicago dropped nine percentage points from 2018. Nine percentage points of the tax base. What does that mean? 
Here's the thing to remember. Somewhere between seven and a quarter to seven and a half billion dollars are levied in property taxes this year by all the different taxing bodies in the city. Chicago Public Schools, the city, the county, etc. Nine percentage points of that is about $650 million every year that potentially could be staying with several hundred thousand homeowners who live in Chicago's neighborhoods. That's what's at stake. That is what we talk about when we're talking about this office being really important from the point of view of equity. And a reduction in homeowners' share of assessed value will contribute to reductions in residents' share of property taxes. Tax bills reflecting these assessments will be sent out later this year. And for many neighborhoods, the news was good as well. Most of Chicago's growth in assessed value since 2018 has been concentrated in the Loop, River North, and West Loop. This growth downtown will likely lead to reductions in the property tax share of neighborhoods in the rest of the city, especially on the north and south sides. For retail property owners, our reassessment is much fairer and more accurate than in the past. More money staying in the neighborhoods means more disposable income available to be spent at stores and businesses. And this is true for all property types in all neighborhoods. And in doing so, we've corrected the errors in commercial assessments under the Berrios administration that were identified by so many others. The IAAO, the Tribune, and it goes on and on. For example, total assessed values for large commercial buildings grew 67% in the loop. But they shrank by 13% for small businesses in Englewood. These results are what one would expect based on where assessments started and the way real estate markets are responding. And it also means our assessments are more fair and accurate. For taxpayers, the final word will come when tax bills release later this year. Now remember, there are many factors we don't control. There are many different taxing bodies in Chicago, that touch on Chicago, the city, the CPS. Uh, the number of exemptions and TIFs will affect tax rates, and so will appeal results at the Cook County Board of Review. Data from the past two reassessment cycles shows that the Board of Review has often reversed, taken back some of the corrections we've made to the previous lowball assessments of large commercial properties. For example, in 2020, commercial reductions by the Board of Review even increased the residential tax burden of some South Suburban communities, some of the mayor, as some of the mayors here can tell you. I remain committed to collaborating and cooperating with the Board of Review to reform our system, which has been so broken. And I believe the property tax working group convened by President Preckwinkle, who's lended our good office, her good offices to this effort, will yield a set of best practices for our office and for the Board of Review. And in the end, these guidelines will create more certainty and predictability in assessments across the county. We must have it. You know, over the past three years, we've increased the transparency of both our numbers and our methodologies. We recently released all 2021 reassessment information organized in a set of data dashboards on our website. And again, all the nerds, you guys can get excited about this. Anyone can view a summary of the assessment changes in each community's share of assessed value and compare how we assess different properties in different communities. 
If you're a civic data geek, our website will make you feel like a kid at the candy shop. Um, we, we publish uh, extensive reports on each reassessed township, and we post our residential models and the underlying data online for reporters, academics, data analysts to review. You play an important role in this because you are trusted voices. For homeowners, we show you the sales prices and data used to assess your home. And this year, we took transparency to a whole new level for commercial property owners. Uh, on our website, we published all of the data we used to calculate the assessment of every single commercial property in Chicago. More than 60,000 parcels. And we'll do the same thing when we reassess the north, the south, and west suburbs for the next two years. So I don't know if this looks like much to you, but this level of transparency is something we've not seen in any other assessor's office in the nation. It's a far cry from the days of Barrios, the Barrios administration, when a court order was needed before the office would even release models and data. We'll put even more of our office's data and property information online this year with the launch of a whole new data portal. You'll be able to see all the building permits and all the other things that go into our work. Making this data public will reduce the number of FOIA requests that we get and improve operations overall. So how were we able to do this um, in the span of time that we've been here? We adopted better technology. In, in 2020, just before the first wave of the pandemic hit, we put property tax exemptions online for the first time. It used to be all on paper. And we dramatically improved the functionality of online appeals, also, which almost always were on paper. We had 600 tons of paper just in 2018 appeals files at our office. You know, last year, we completed the first phase of Cook County's new integrated property tax system. This implementation is the first significant result of a $30 million investment our county made way back in 2015. I can't speak to why my predecessor didn't implement it sooner, but I am very proud to say that we did accomplish this Herculean feat, and I wanted to thank my team for making it happen. It is a testament to the big gains that can be made when you collaborate with others. The Cook County Bureau of Technology under President Preckwinkle has been a valued partner in this arduous and thankless but very necessary work. So we've gone from this, just a small percentage of those 600 tons of paper files. Remember that scene at the end of the, uh, Indiana Jones, of Raiders of the Lost Ark? We went from this to this. And it's just going to get better from here, guys. With better technology and better data comes more reform. And our exemption auto renewal program has made it easier than ever for seniors, veterans, and people with disabilities to receive the property tax exemptions that they deserve. Uh, under the old rules, these vulnerable groups needed to file applications every year to attest to the fact that they were indeed still over 65 or still had injuries sustained while defending our country. Well-known biological facts. Um, and I witnessed the unfairness of this system during a winter storm back in January 2019, right when we'd gotten into office. 
Schools, restaurants, museums were closed. Train service was slow. Even some county offices were closed. Our office was open, and we were still accepting applications for senior exemptions. So in walks a charming elderly woman. She's walking slowly, but with purpose, wearing her years in her body, clearly been out in the cold. And in her hand is a paper exemption application. Um, and friends, in that moment, as I looked in her eyes, you know, I saw everything that was wrong with this exemption renewal system. Um, she's not getting any younger. She was diligent about it, but there are a lot of people who aren't able to do that. And even in good weather, there should be no reason why she or anyone else should have to trudge down to the assessor's office to file a form. And never mind during one of the worst winter storms in years. And she's why I'm glad that we now have a system that renews exemptions automatically for our seniors, veterans, and people with disabilities. And after working with committed legislators, some of whom are in the audience today, so take a bow, guys, um, we've made our system work better for the most vulnerable homeowners while also making our office more efficient. And in the first year of our exemption auto renewal program, we gave 32,000 more seniors, more eligible seniors, property tax exemptions than the year before. 32,000 households who didn't have to brave the hawk in the middle of the winter just to get the lower property taxes they're entitled to. You know, we also identified 30,000 homeowners who we had reason to believe were no longer eligible for an exemption. We asked them to reapply, which kept tax rates down for everyone else. And I'm so proud of the collaboration we've had with the lawmakers here, uh, especially on a bill that passed the General Assembly this year, the Southland Reactivation Act, which was championed by the Southland, uh, by the South Suburban Mayors and Managers Association. You know, this bill creates new incentives that are administered by our office to bring new commercial properties to areas of the south suburbs that have experienced historic economic hardships. These incentives will move us toward a more equitable future and a robust tax base for the Southland. It will help revitalize the industrial hub of the Midwest, which is our Southland, and will also mean lower property taxes and lower rates for homeowners as the tax base expands. And I, wa I wanted to salute Commissioner Don Miller from, from the county she represents the Southland and Mayor Rick Reinbold, Mayor of Richton Park, who helped to push through this bill. And both of these bills were signed by the governor last Friday. And I want to take a moment here to thank State Senator and Revenue Chair Maddie Hunter and Representative and Revenue Chair Mike Zalewski for their partnership on these legislative efforts. With new leadership in Springfield, a new way of working has followed, one that benefits all of us here in Cook County. And on a final policy matter, I'm thrilled to say we're in the first year of implementing an affordable housing program that incentivizes the rehabilitation and new construction of multifamily residential properties. We had a great coalition of partners on this. In the spring of 2021, we worked with state legislators, including uh, Senator Ann Gillespie um, and Representative Will Gazzardi, both, are, both of them here today, 
um, as well as the Illinois Housing Council and the Community Investment Corporation, who are also here today. Together with developers and community groups, they advocated for this law and crafted the language for it. Let's give them one more hand for this massive achievement. You worked hard. Uh, and I'm proud of this collaboration between our office, community groups, and lawmakers. And together, we made these programs, which were several years in the making, a reality. Now, amid our great steps towards a more equitable system, we've gotten recognition from our peers in the industry for the first time. In 2021, we received awards for our digital innovation and communication efforts. And this year, I'm proud to announce we won three awards from the National Association of Counties for making assessments more accurate and fair, for our senior exemption and auto renewal program, and for our online outreach efforts. Under pre Thank you. Thank you. Under previous leadership, the assessor's office did not win awards. Um, if anything, it was held up for ridicule. Um, and among the many things we've improved, I'm pleased to say we've upgraded our office's national reputation too. And I wanted to thank our Cook County commissioners for helping to make that happen. Commissioner Miller, Commissioner Inaya, and is anyone else here from the board? You helped to make this happen too. So I've talked about a lot of wonky things thus far, and I hope you'll indulge me once more. I'm really proud to say that I'm working with the largest assessment officers in America, representing more than 50 million people, to lead a national initiative around the improvement of residential property data around the country. Um, we've been in fruitful discussions with the White House and federal regulators about accessing appraisal data that would give offices like ours access to data on the quality and conditions of homes. This data will reduce the potential for overassessment of lower value homes, and these are also traditionally the homes that are least likely to appeal. Fixing this problem will be a giant leap forward in fairness and equity. I want to salute our chief data officer, Samantha Simpson, who's been, you see in the picture here. You know, our initiatives have a huge impact on the average person, even if it's, even if what's happening in the assessor's office is the furthest thing from their minds as they continue to navigate the pandemic. And frankly, that's how it should be. Um, our initiatives have a huge, you know, they, the initiative, the administration of our office is, is really full of complicated, detailed tasks. But one thing that's easy for everyone to understand is the role that I want to leave with you today. Since our very beginning, my administration has established a bright line when it comes to ethics. <laughs> On day one, with the corruption of the past barely in the rearview mirror, I signed an executive order that forbade any employee, including me, from using the assessor's office resources for my or others' personal benefit. And this order meant, for instance, that employees could not work on appeals for properties in which they had a financial interest. It also meant a ban on gifts or political donations to the assessor from those who work in the office or do business with it, the first assessor to do that. 
This executive order created a path that we've continued to follow during my administration. Our federal monitors have confirmed that my administration has been free of unlawful political discrimination, and we've eliminated the corruption our office used to be associated with, and we are proud of that. We've continued to follow the data and assess properties at market value, and we've stuck to it, even when some wrongly claimed that fair assessments would have a chilling effect on investment in Chicago and Cook County. In fact, our policies have encouraged investment because they're based on the same best practices in other jurisdictions around the country where they have healthy real estate markets. Last week, we saw this headline in Cranes. I love this headline. <laughs> Recent price gains for Chicago commercial properties among best in the world. Best in the world. The article went on to state it was the third biggest increase among 20 global cities in the report and the greatest among U.S. metropolitan areas. The work that we're doing does not have to come at the expense of prosperity and the investment climate. They go hand in hand. And, you know, we've seen similar headlines recently. From a $1 billion data center to the biggest condos to apartments deal ever in Chicago to a west side apartment complex predicted to sell for twice its previous sale price and many more. You know, there's, there's no doubt that there's a, you know, so just look at these headlines, guys. Um, this was only the second billion dollar transaction in the history of Chicago up there. And look at the one at the bottom. This is also one of my favorites because it's so clearly contrary to this narrative that some people have tried to construct. You know, there's no doubt that there's a surplus of office space, especially downtown in light of the pandemic. Chicago's no different from Manhattan and San Francisco in this respect. Our assessments continue to factor in these higher vacancies in the market. You can go and look at that in the data yourself. But there are signs of recovery here, too. In a recent deal, a private equity firm will move its 13,000-square-foot uh, space to a 28,000-square-foot space at 110 Wacker Drive, paying $50 per square foot, among the highest rents ever paid for office space in Chicago. You know, our entrepreneurs here in Chicago, which have always powered this economy, will fill up this space. Chicago is going to overcome this pandemic, and it will continue to be propelled by all the long-term factors that favor global cities. Our status as a hub of commerce and a home for world-class talent in the world's biggest economy is unshakable. Uh, and the recognition that global supply chains are too brittle and fragile, it's adding an additional leg of growth, as the Chicago area is perfectly positioned for the trend towards reshoring and America's own manufacturing renaissance, and we're seeing it in the data. Our more predictable and globally compliant assessment system supports and complements this healthy environment. So beware of those trying to sell you a different storyline. Some people will try to tell you that we need the favoritism of fake values to grow. Some actually you know, act like they're entitled to it. Those arguing against our fair, more accurate assessment process are the same folks who want to take us back to the old way of doing business in this town. I've taken bold action so we can leave the dysfunction of the Barrios era behind for good. It did too much damage. We've created an office that Chicagoans and people in the suburbs can be proud of and one that they demanded. 
Our office is no longer thought of as a black box that can only be understood by a select few. You no longer need to know a guy to get a fair deal from the assessor's office, and you all know what I'm talking about, because we've all had these stories told to us if we grew up around here. Well, I can assure you, knowing a guy will get you nowhere with me. <laughs> the assessor's office has enormous reach. We touch every one of the 1.9 million properties in Cook County. It's the biggest property tax system in America. With that reach comes an enormous responsibility, one based in ethics, fairness, and transparency. And that's why I know we can't stop now. We have come way too far. We have so much more to achieve to make sure that those powerful interests who want to turn back the clock in this reform don't get their wish. So, together... I know we're going to protect these gains and keep moving forward, and I'm looking forward to returning here next year <laughs> to tell you more about how we've lived up to that responsibility. Thank you, everybody. Oh, thank you. Use your water. Okay, thanks. So I'm waiting on a few. Oh. Uh, 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 the ladies will game. You don't have to bring it to me, Joe. <laughs> oh, you guys are doing their job for them. They'll appreciate that. So I've got pretty good notes. I'm assuming that other than the assessor and his good friend who I happen to work with and uh, Mr. McKeever and uh, I wrote her name down, Samantha. I'm assuming you all got past college algebra and trig because that's where I stopped. <laughs> I'm, I'm knowing that you all went to quantum physics and all that kind of stuff, right? You don't need it, but it helps. <laughs> he told me that the last time he was here, he sat down and really like drew it out on a piece of paper and said, here's the thing, and I thought I knew it, and about two hours later, I was like, I don't know what to just say. I got work to do. <laughs> I tried, I tried, I really did. It wasn't you, it was a student, believe me. We have got a plethora of questions. Um, thank you to uh, the assessor staff. It's very clear that you all are working hard. Uh, I asked Commissioner Miller, I was like, are those boxes for real? <laughs> now, did you all shred all that and it's going to be somewhere for paper uh, for the next Chicago winning team for our next confetti? Uh, I wish we could shred it, but there's a court order to preserve everything. <laughs> for how long? Forever. That's amazing to me. Even in finance, we can shred it seven years or something like that. Um, so now we have a lot. I only had a few questions. Now we have a lot of questions. So that means you're going to have to do lightning round things, okay? So um, Diane Hansen says, is Diane, are you here? Oh, she is here. Good, because sometimes when you're not here, I don't always ask the, ask the question, but don't tell anybody that. <laughs> Does the Board of Review evaluate appeals based on capital improvements made, such as roof and masonry work? Um, you'll, you'll have to ask them on what they exactly look at, but they have the same um, legal obligation that we do to assess properties, but to uh, estimate the value of properties based on market value and to make sure that it's done uniformly and equitably. Um, and the standard is, what, where is the market? Um, and uh, you, you look at transactions, you look at the factors that 
you go into transactions, and that can include capital improvements. Um, quality is an important part of assessing the value of any property. Thank you. I'm going to give Dave Lundy credit for this, but there are about three questions in here that say this flat and simple. The big question, when are the tax bills coming out? Well, this is a good question because I don't send the tax bills and I don't determine the calendar. Um, so you'll uh, what you can do is uh, you can check in with the Board of Review and the clerk and the treasurer, uh, but we all at the county you know, believe that the bills will be sent out and paid by the end of the year. Jesse Bauer from Grayson Search Partners, are you here? <clears throat> Jesse's here, very good. Any comment on how to bring Chicago home proposed mansion tax um, would more than triple the transfer tax for buyers from 26.5 per 1 million would affect your office and assessed values on properties in the city. Did that make sense to you? Okay, very good. <laughs> so, not, it's me, it's not you. I'm so sure. there, there, for those of you who don't know, and there might be some people at home who have no idea, right. there's a proposal um, called the Bring Chicago Home Proposal that would increase the transaction tax on higher value properties. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it, we would have to see what the impact was in the, in, in the data. Um, we would have to anticipate the effects. Um, I don't know whether it would cover both commercial properties and residential. Mm -hmm. So the, the devil's in the details on a lot of these proposals. But what I can tell you, and my data science team is looking at me sternly, is that we will look at all the transactions to see what they are, um, and then we will try to model them as, as best that we can. But we have to remember that you know all these things uh, out there do affect markets, and it's our job to be a mirror to the market. And so if it's going to affect the market, we have to figure out what the effect will be. And sometimes these effects can be on, you know, uh, different from what you expect. Samantha, we could be fast friends. I do that to my, the same thing to my seniors. Say what you're supposed to and don't say anymore. <laughs> she's got her mask on. You can exactly see what she's saying. There's a communication. We understood each other. So um, <clears throat> another online question, Sarah Brown Shackley, who is a member, uh, says, the Cook County IT department advised the assessor's office to run the new system alongside the old mainframe until the kinks had been worked out. Why did that not happen, or why did you choose not to do that? I guess you can speak to that. Uh, so, uh, actually, there's, uh, uh, um, there's a premise inside the question that's incorrect. We're following the county's plan. The county's plan was... They signed this back in 2015. It was first to be deployed at the assessor's office, um, and we deployed it over two years. So as I mentioned in the speech, we deployed uh, the ex online exemptions, online appeals in 2020, and then we deployed the second piece in 2021. And just a reminder, we're replacing a 40-year-old mainframe, which is like, we have a post-it note up here. It's older than post-it notes. <laughs> I was playing Space Invaders on my Atari when this is, my data scientists were born after this system was deployed. Um, and this is at, your, at the heart of our uh, IT system. So under the law, there can only be one system of record. There can't be two. Oh. If they're contradicting each other, yeah. what do you do, right? So there's only one system of record. 
guys. It's the new system. It's what made possible all those things that we've been telling you about on opening up the data and transparency and doing exemptions. We had a, uh, you know, we had the IAAO, the International Association of Assessing Officers, do a process audit when we came in just to see there are these mountain of problems that needed attending to. What are the ones that are essential to fix so that we can do other things? And the one of the biggest problems that was a block to other reforms was the IT system. We didn't have enough columns to store all the information that was useful. And so many people out there, if you've had frustrations with appeals and inaccurate valuations, a lot of it goes back to our IT system, including not having enough memory to store all the stuff that would be useful about your house. Um, and there are only a couple of elderly people who know how to program on this system. I can understand that. We have to pay through the nose to get them out of retirement. It's like the Space Cowboys, kind of, but like, but our whole, the world's biggest property, our America's biggest property tax system depends on it. Um, this is, uh, this is too important to kick the can down the road another year. So that's why we did it. I'm telling you, this stuff baffles me. It's like watching no episodes of Young Sheldon or something. I, it's just so much for me. Uh, I'm telling you, it's, that's why I was asking. It wasn't you asking the question. It was the, I know it was a person. But I mean, think how serious this is. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Sam Brown from Rich Township says, "Why not dispense with the multiple assessment levels and assess everyone at thirty-three point thirty-three point thirty-three percent?" Oh, thanks for the question, Brown. Sam is also an elected official, so Sam, thanks for asking the question. Um, he's one of our township assessors down at Rich Township, and we're lucky to have uh, qualified township assessors like him who do good work. Um, this is not a decision for our office. Um, a lot, it's kind of a misnomer. They think the assessor's office determines uh, whether commercial or residential has a different rate at which we convert market to assess values? Actually, we don't. This, the county board has, has decided a long time ago, based on the values of the people in this county, that commercial and industrial are assessed at a higher rate than residential. The job that falls to us is to estimate the market value of property, period. That's our job. And then the county board determines the rate at which market values are converted to assess value. It is incredibly inappropriate, illegal, and gets us going into a very bad place. If the assessor says, well, I don't think that differential rate the county board has is right, so I'm going to put my thumb on the scale to somehow not use market values and use something else instead. That's how we get to a bad place. Um, so, But Sam, this is a decision for the county board based on the values of the people of our county. You know, property taxes are regressive. They're, for many people, they're their only source of savings. And, you know, for black and brown people, their home, the home is even more important part of their savings and their wealth. So when we do property tax taxation, it's the values of our county that say, you know, we're not going to tax residential property in the same way that we tax commercial and industrial, because many of those are owned by corporations who are not people. Um, and that's a that's a, a decision that is rightfully a political decision made of the county board. It is hard enough just for our analyst staff to estimate the market value of property, so we're sticking to that. 
So we have two questions. I'm going to ask them both now so that we can do a little speed uh, responses here. I actually like this question. Normally I wouldn't answer it from someone who's calling themselves a tax doctor. Meaning, I don't have a name for the person. The tax doctor is here, and he's a he's a well known figure in our. So, what is your name? You get to ask the question because the, the because the assessor said we were, but I don't normally take questions from people that I don't know. Prop thirteen is working in California. Why not here? What do you say about WRA one? That's the first question. The next one is you. You really got lucky there. Um, a- I'm just going to do one question because other people had questions too. <laughs> if unless we can go back to the second one, I just don't- well, I only have one more question, okay. but All that's right. that's actually it. But you want me to? You want to go right, ahead and answer? We'll we'll no, it's okay. I can come back to okay, it. Okay, I'll do the first one. Okay. So the question was, why don't we do Prop thirteen? For those of you who don't know. Prop 13 is how they do property taxes in California, and it means that you're assessed at the at the price you purchased it at, regardless of when you bought it. Um, and what it does is that it leads to incredible inequities. Um, if you think that we have an inequitable property tax system here, talk to your friends in California. They have an incredible excruciating affordable housing crisis in California because people who bought homes 40 years, 50 years, pay almost nothing. And the people who live next to them who just moved there, who own the same house, can pay 40, 50, 60 times as much. And they get the same services. And it gets even worse because the values do reset when you move or die. But corporations never move. They never die. So Disneyland is always going to have like a super low valuation while who has to pick up the burden? Entrepreneurs, young people buying their first homes, people who are moving there. So that's not the solution. Um, You know, people think that I, as the assessor, like property taxes. I don't. Um, I think they're a really regressive way to raise money. But in this world, more and more income is generated from things that don't come from brick and mortar. And yet we put all the burden on the people who have created and enriched our communities with brick and mortar, while people who do things that don't use brick and mortar get a pass on funding the education of our children and providing safety. That's not right. Um, And as our economy gets more and more digital, it's creating more and more disparities. Um, I think of our friends in the south suburbs who every entrepreneur is fighting for their life every day out there, and they have to carry the burden because our state doesn't pitch in for schools. We're we're dead last in the nation for school funding in Illinois. Uh, About 25% of school budgets come from the state here, whereas most states it's closer to 50%, including Indiana. Um, And so people on brick and mortar in places in the Southland have to tax their own property to fund education of their children. It creates huge disparities in rates. There's no place in the nation that has greater disparities in rates than we have here in Cook County. Um, In places like Park Forest, the rate there is six times what it is in Chicago. Six times. For a dollar invested, you pay six times the rate. Um, and and that's, that's even if you got assessments perfect. doesn't have to do with assessments. have to do with the injustice of how schools are funded. So I believe in 
it's more important than ever that, like, you know, we did this meeting on Zoom last year. How are we taxing Zoom in Illinois? Right? Like, if things are moving from rooms like this to Zoom, as many activities are, we need to figure out a way so that digital commerce and sur- sur- and the way to do it is by taxing income rather than brick and mortar so that everyone's on a level playing field. One last question. <clears throat> a. Kayla? Andrea Rayla. Does that say that? Uh, it says A. Rayla. That's hard to read. <laughs> just trying to figure out if it's the meds, if it's me trying to understand this stuff or what, but I am not having a good reading day. Um, Thank you for your question. PTAB reviews 48% residential appeals considered the poor man's court. Do you support removing PTAB from only Cook County, and if so, why? Um, So for for those of you who don't know, PTAB or PTAB is a fourth venue for appeals that we have in um, the state. So you can appeal at the assessor's office, you can appeal at the board of review, you can appeal at circuit court, you can appeal at uh, PTAB. Uh, PTAB, for the longest time, was only covering counties outside of Cook. Um, In the dead of the night in 1995, like five days before end of session, it was extended into Cook. And Basically, the way appeals work is as you have each iteration of appeals, it makes the system more inequitable. So because it's only a minority of people that do appeals and they tend to have the most money and resources and knowledge. So, you know, by the first time you're catching errors, assessor's office, board review exists as as a fallback in case that you didn't get justice. But by the time you're getting to the, the, a fourth venue, um, you are really only talking about the wealthiest property owners. And I don't know uh, how many dollars that resi- in residential value that's cut by PTAB versus commercial, but I'm pretty sure it's like 50 to 1. Like, they reduced... So, Board of Review last year, they reduced commercial values by $2.2 billion, residential by only $200 million. So, that's 11 to 1. I think it's even much higher at PTAB. I'd love to know what the number is. Um, more appeals don't translate into more fairness. That's what I think. Um, and PTAB, I don't think, should be in Cook County. Barbara Flynn Curry, the... Uh, uh, former majority leader, we wrote uh, an op-ed together saying that this experiment has failed because when you give reductions at PTAB, you are, it's a cash outflow from the taxing bodies. Those cash outflows have been growing at a 20% compounded rate since it was extended to Cook County. For those of you who don't do compound growth, 20% compounded rate is frightening. Um, You'll become, you know, if you invest, you know, $10,000 today at a 20% compounded rate, you'll become a multimillionaire pretty soon. Um, and so now we have hundreds of millions of dollars a year flowing out of Cook County taxing bodies because of PTAP. And it's all stacked on the backs of all the other taxpayers who are not playing along with this. And, like, the biggest winner is Trump Tower. They got a million dollars from PTAB, granted by PTAB last year, that went out of the CPS in the city of Chicago just for something that happened in like 2012 or 13, it's just bonkers because there's like this wave that has still yet to come from all the Barrios years 
that's built up. They have a backlog of many years of PTAP. So I'm all in favor. I'm all in favor of completely clearing out every case of PTAP from Cook County now, so we don't have more obligations stacked on taxpayers of Cook County. Cool. <laughs> would like to thank the assessor um, 